You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, episode 268, Charles Fairbanks. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben, here's a fella that you're going to be like, oh yeah, his name sounds familiar, but you probably don't know too much about Charles Fairbanks. This guy could have been our president like five times over. But he wasn't. Exactly. (laughs) But we are going to tell his story in this episode. So like all good Republican politicians, he is born in a log cabin. That's right. Charles Fairbanks, born in 1852 in Unionville Center, Ohio. He is the son of Mary and Lauriston Monroe Fairbanks, who was a wagon maker. Now, the Fairbanks family, they trace their history all the way back to the Puritan followers of Oliver Cromwell. Go figure. Can you imagine, Ben? We can barely trace our history back to, like, the 20s. (laughs) And these people are tracing their history back to the 1600s. It's amazing. But his family is a very, very good Republican family because they are helping hide runaway enslaved people. So people who are running away from the South, the Fairbanks family, taking them in, helping them along the way. He goes on uh, to get his education at Ohio Wesleyan University, and he is the co-editor of the school newspaper uh, with his soon-to-be wife, Cornelia. And they are there at Ohio Wesleyan. They graduate and, you know, they do what any good co-editor couple does. They get married. (laughs) So he goes on to continue in that same kind of journalistic career. And his first position outside of college was to be an agent of the Associated Press. And this is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he's there reporting on, you know, stuff for Horace Greeley during the 1872 election. And he studies law, of course, of course he does, and uh, moves to Cleveland a little while later. He continues to work for the Associated Press and ends up going to another portion of law school while there. Gets admitted to the bar in 1874, and he's like, you know what, I might as well just keep on moving west. He heads out to Indianapolis, Indiana, and then gets a Master of Arts degree from Ohio Wesleyan. He somehow manages to wrangle in the job being a manager for Indianapolis, Bloomington, and Western Railroad because they are completely bankrupt. And 
they pay him five thousand dollars a year so he gets this job you know by virtue of his uncle charles smith and then uh he really is able to move along and uh, move up through the ranks and become a railroad financier and all that kind of stuff so he is moving right up through the ranks goes from being basically a reporter all the way up to funding railroads yeah he even serves as a counselor uh to millionaire jay gold and you know he's like big money right mm-hmm. in 1888 at the republican national convention walter gresham is trying to get the nomination he says hey charles you've got an awesome goatee this thing is not even a goatee it's yeah. like a walrus it's definitely a walrus <laughs> and so then maybe we should grow walruses I mean, think about what it was like seeing him and Horace Greeley in the same room. Oh my gosh. That's, in, that's like that's a intense. facial hair. Yeah. That's yeah. like a facial hair. Uh, that's a convention in and of itself. <laughs> anyway, uh, Gresham doesn't get the nomination. Uh, Benjamin Harrison does, you know, the guy who lives across town there in Indianapolis and Fairbanks is saying, vote for Ben. You need to, vote for this guy not least from indiana he's a republican and you need to do that and he's making campaign uh speeches for him again in 1892 not as successful that time but he's doing that and a year later in 1893 he decides for himself to run for the united states senate but you know at this time in history the state legislatures determine who is going to be the senators and in Indiana at this point, the Democrats were in charge. So he does not get the nod to become a senator in 1893. He is a mover and shaker, though. And during 1894 to 1896 or so, he is credited with really getting a lot of Republicans elected, creating majorities in the Indiana House of Representatives, the Indiana Senate, making sure that a Republican is going to get nominated to, uh, even elected, to succeed the uh, current Senator uh, Daniel Voorhees at the end of his term in 1897. And then 1896, Republican National Convention rolls around, and he is not only the temporary chairman but he is also the keynote speaker. And so now everyone in this place of power in the Republican Party has pretty much heard him speak. And so he is voted most likely to succeed in a lot of different areas. <laughs> and, of course, they choose him, the Republicans choose him as their nominee in 1897 for the Senate seat. He does win that seat in 1897 and takes office. A few months later. So not too long after becoming a senator in 1898, he is appointed to be a member of the United States and British Joint High Commission. And if you've never heard about this commission, it's pretty interesting because you've got this territory of Alaska and the United States and Canada and Great Britain, they could not agree on where the border should be. The United States said, here it is. This is what we say the border is because that's what Russia, uh, when Alaska was in Russia's hands, needed to be. 
and Canada saying, uh, no, eh, <laughs> this is the border, uh, get off our territory. And Great Britain, which is in charge of Canadian um, international affairs at the time, says, hey, guys, let's all just get along and compromise. Canada's not too keen on that, but through arbitration, through this commission, the border is set. We could do a whole episode on the U.S.-Canadian border. It's kind of interesting because, believe it or not, war could have broken out. But it didn't, largely because of our buddy Charles Fairbanks. And if you've ever heard of Fairbanks, Alaska, which I know you have, guess who it's named after? Hmm, I wonder. Huh, pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> in 1904, what do you do when you're the Republican Party? Because you have the very conservative faction and you have the progressive faction. Theodore Roosevelt, very much a progressive. Fairbanks, very much not. And they do win the election. This magical coalition, uh, seemingly magical coalition, uh, TR wins the presidency, but Fairbanks is not a very faithful vice president to his president <laughs> because he's breaking ranks all the time. As a matter of fact, he was the first vice president to serve a complete term who did not cast any tie-breaking votes as the president of the Senate. And what that tells us is not, hey, uh, it just so happens the Senate was that far out of balance. It was, uh, Fairbanks didn't always agree with uh, the chief executive. Go figure. Yeah, definitely. So Roosevelt is not really terribly a fan of Fairbanks, and he doesn't give him a huge role in the administration. And, of course, after he decides not to seek re-election, he doesn't even recommend his vice president. In fact, he promotes William Howard Taft pretty hard and heavy. Fairbanks goes for the nomination as well, but doesn't get it, and he goes back to practicing law. Uh, in 1912, Fairbanks was like, you know what, whatever, I'm going to support Taft, uh, even though Roosevelt is running, uh, I'm going to support Taft because, well, you did it to me, I'm doing it to you. Yeah, buddy. In 1916, uh, so keep in mind, Fairbanks is no longer in office, he's back to practicing law. 1916 comes along and he gets the responsibility of establishing basically the platform for the Republican Party. And during the same year, he also seeks the Republican presidential nomination. Well, he doesn't get it, but he does get the nomination for vice president that year. Unfortunately, he is the running mate of Charles Evans Hughes, who does not win. They lose a pretty close race to Woodrow Wilson and Thomas Marshall. So, uh, this is, you know, kind of a disappointing uh, turn of events for him and basically the end of his political career. Yeah, and like so many bigwigs in the Republican Party, he fades off the stage and then he dies <laughs> so young, seemingly. In June of 1918, uh, he develops nephritis, um, which is like a liver disease, I believe. Mm -hmm. I could be corrected on that. Um, but he, he passes away, um, but not without leaving his mark on American politics. In addition to Fairbanks, Alaska being named after him, uh, there is a township in 
Michigan named after him, as well as some other schools and, you know, historic markers, of course, because the world does need more historic markers. That's true. And the world needs more people to review this podcast on iTunes. So if you have not done so, if, if you've even think you might have, but you might not have, head over to iTunes and leave us a quick rating and review. It does help us out. It helps the show out, and it helps future people out when they're deciding whether or not they want to watch the show uh, or listen to the show. I guess it'd be hard to watch a podcast. You can also, if you use Overcast or something similar, you can uh, click the little star in that app to recommend us to your friends and to people who don't even uh, you don't even know. It's just a nice thing to do, and we do a happy dance every single time. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And you know what? As a reminder, um, you know Ben and I come up with these episodes. We were thinking, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do a biography of a president. We're gonna talk about the first ladies. We're gonna talk about the vice president. But we are starting to creep up on times where, you know. These guys drove cars and flew in airplanes. We're, we are quickly approaching a time where perhaps some of these president's children were alive during our lifetime. And that makes just us just a wee bit nervous. I mean, we're 268 episodes into this thing, but we are always looking for your recommendations on who, what, when, and where. Uh, we can cover. Uh, we mentioned Alice Roosevelt as somebody who's been recommended to us. We would love to hear your recommendations, and you can do that by interacting with us on social media. We are at Election College on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go ahead. Don't be shy. Let us know your suggestions, and we promise that we'll pay attention to you. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. We really appreciate it, and we will talk to you next time.